Thank you, Lord. Just thank you, God. This is your church. Lord, this is your people. And I just pray, Lord, for everyone here and whoever's not present, Lord, I thank you that you have assembled this peace, Lord, to your body right here in the Hudson Valley. Lord, you put this together. We just want to give you glory again, Lord. We can never give you enough, and we're gonna, so we're just going to keep doing it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we just pray for those people, Lord. Wherever they're at right now or in this room, I pray, Lord, you would tighten us, Lord God. You would strengthen us. Lord, give us, Lord, more of you. And wherever they're out, Lord, whatever their burden is, Lord, outside this building, I pray that it would be lightened, that you'd remove it off their shoulders and give them life again, Lord Jesus. And we call them back into the kingdom. Call them back, Lord, into the house of God, into your presence, Lord. Not this building, but, Lord, into the body, Lord, that supersedes this building in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yes, God is good. He is so good to us, and He has a plan and a purpose for you. You know that. I'm going to keep saying that. I'll never get tired of saying that, that God is good and He's got a plan and purpose, right? I tell you that every week, and that's not some religious line. I truly believe it that God is good, and it is all the time. It's not just a line. He is always good. We just don't understand what He's up to. I like to say God has a plan. I just don't know what that is. But he does have a plan. God does have a plan. He is working all things out. He's working all things together. And it's, we often look and we should be constantly reminded that even Satan, which we don't fully understand, the word doesn't give us a whole lot about him, but even Satan putting Jesus on the cross, right, to kill him, to destroy, to disrupt, to take from God, God used, didn't he? In a way that the Bible tells us they would have never done it. Him and the humans he was aligned with on this earth that betrayed him and crucified him, they would have never done it if they knew what God was up to. So we just don't know what God's up to. And I think we're in big time trouble when we say, I know. I think what we need to do is say, I know God. I know Jesus. There's one thing you can know confidently and it's the Lord. And that's about it. Everything else, we need to have a constant revelation of God. We should be constantly before God. I said last week something the Lord just showed me and and showed me that picture in James. And it's this picture of revelation, right? We need to, if you don't know that you need God, we need a revelation first. If we don't know his love towards us, And then if once you're saved, if you don't have a revelation that there's something in your life that needs to go, you need the revelation first. And that's constant. It was revelation to know you needed him. And it's revelation every day to know that there's things in our lives that he wants to get out of us. We must have the revelation of God first. Our eyes opened, our ears opened. And then with that becomes a reverence. Once we have our eyes open, we drop to our knees, we humble ourselves. And then finally, through that, then we repent And then we start the cycle all over again. The Lord gives us more revelation. Who's had that cycle working in your life as a believer? And that cycle never, ever ends. If you ever stop that cycle before your physical grave, right? We already died. We're already aligned with Christ. We're already in Christ, but your body's still living it out. And if that body and that human mind ever stops that cycle, you've reverted back into death, 
and we need to get back into life. And that's the cycle of life. The cycle of real life is revelation. Wow, God. Wow, you're God. His greatness, his goodness, his love, his mercy, his compassion. And even when he then reveals, even the harder sides of God where he reveals sins in your lives is for your good, isn't it? Who's gone to the other side of that? When he gave you a revelation of your darkness and of your evil, right? And you thought you were good. You thought, I'm good now, right? Who thought they were good and got a, another revelation? So we need to be constantly, it needs to, he needs to keep revealing. And the Lord has a way to do that. And I don't have a particular order necessarily that I'm going to preach these uh, steps in the next weeks. But I just want to look at a few of the ways that God does this process. And uh, the book of uh, Proverbs says something in chapter 3 that many of us as believers know so well. It's chapter 3, Proverbs 3, verse 5. It's such a great verse, and it gets put on plaques at Hobby Lobby, and that's pretty, and that's a, it's a sweet saying, but it's actually such a powerful saying. It just is so powerful that if we trust in the Lord with all our hearts, right, or you may know it as lean not on your own understanding, New King James, right, then it says, don't depend on your own understanding, verse 6, Seek his will in all you do. And this can be translated in so many ways. I'll just say some of them, which is he will show you which path to take. Some say he'll smooth out your path. Some say he'll make it straight. If you align yourself with the Lord, if you rely on him, you don't rely on yourself, you get his will. God will give it to you. The Lord is willing to be found. In fact, he wants to be found. God says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you ask, I will answer. God wants to be found. God wants to answer us. He is God, and he has lowered himself to the state of human man for the purpose of your salvation, but he never lowered his standard of being God. Jesus went right back, right? Once the cross was purposed, where is Jesus seated right now? Present tense. On the throne with the Father, right? Because he's still God, right? He lowered himself for a purpose, but he is God. And the only path, right? So I started to say last week, the only path is the Lord's path. There is no other path. We need his will and we need his way. And so the Lord does something to us supernaturally and instantaneously when we, when we accept Christ into our hearts, as we've been talking about, right? Something happened, and who knows, who remembers that moment? Does anybody remember that moment? Is it so far ago, ago that you don't remember that? I don't think so. I don't think we ever forget those moments, plural. Most of us have had moments, right, coming back and back and back again, right, as well. But they're so special, and it's supernatural. I've been talking just about this thing being a spirit thing. It's not a natural thing. This thing following Christ is not, you ready? I'm gonna scare you. I love scaring you, but then giving you the truth after. Everybody gets to the edge of their seat. When I said there, that God's way is not the best way, everybody went, what? Last week? Because it's the only way. I'm gonna give you another scary line. You cannot get saved through the Bible. 
can only get saved through Jesus and his blood. The Bible is Jesus. It's the word, right, on paper. Jesus is the word in flesh. But to try to read the scriptures and, and try to figure out rights and wrongs without Jesus on the cross and what he purchased and then what he promises us for chapters long in John and then fulfills in Acts, the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this thing in your flesh. Even the Bible, right? They study it. In every college across the country, the Bible is debated and studied by atheists, right? By uh, philosophers to try to understand some sort of a knowledge or to compare it to others as if it's an equal. But it is only through Christ and through the Holy Spirit that you will ever even understand the Bible. You can't even understand the scriptures without Jesus. They don't make sense to you. And that's, the Bible says it of itself. It says that the Bible, that the story within it the story of Christ is foolishness to this world. It's foolish. And I said last week, let's just embrace the fact that we're foolish. Let's just get over trying to be like the world and try to be cool and try to be, let's just embrace the fact that it is foolish to the natural man, to the world, to our humanity, to our mind. And just embrace the fact that God is not like us. We must become like him. God's ways are not our ways. His ways are his own ways. And so we have this supernatural thing that happens. If you try to understand what happened in the natural, you will scratch your head until you die. Because it cannot be explained what happened. That 2,000 years ago, a man who was not just a man, but that's what the world would say, that's what the story would say, the story without the spirit, is a man gets on a wooden cross, they nail, put some nails in his hands and his feet, and somehow his 2,000-year-old blood saves you from your sins through you telling God, I'm sorry, and changing your life. It is foolishness. It's total craziness if you're going to think about it in the human mind. So to try to figure out what happened... Or then, you're ready, what worse, what's worse is then to try to work it out and walk this life out with your natural man when the whole thing began with something that was crazy already. Why are you trying to figure it out in your humanity? Why are we dissecting the word and trying to fit it into this life? We're trying to dissect the word and fit it into our culture and into our time frame. You have to realize that it was never normal and it never will be that it was supernatural from the moment that God birthed this story and you were saved supernaturally. And we must live by the Spirit. We must then continue, everybody say continue, to do it by the Spirit. It was a spiritual thing that happened to you. You cannot do it in the natural. And that's the word. So most importantly, 
just a few points I just want to make quickly, and then I want to move forward here, is that he gives you his spirit. God never expected you to figure it out. As soon as you think you have it figured out, most likely, I'm going to say something really blunt, but I mean, I guess it could be split apart, but you're most likely in pride when you think you got it figured out. It's a spiritual thing. It's not a mental thing. And even if you tried to explain it to someone else, they're not going to understand the natural. It's a spirit-to-spirit thing. That song that we just played, this is really amazing. Just a little simple thing, but to me, just spoke so much to me yesterday. Um, Dawn and I were together yesterday morning, and I just started singing the bridge of that song. She goes, were you just playing that song? I said, no. She's like, well, I've, I've been singing that in my spirit all day. I just, we hadn't listened to that song at all, but just God all powerful, just that line. She's singing it in her spirit, I'm singing it in my spirit. Try to explain that in the natural. It's not a natural thing. It's a Holy Spirit thing. It's a spirit to spirit. We are one spirit and we are one spirit in Christ. And it's not natural, so don't try to get it natural. So here's what the Lord does and what I want to teach about today. So he gives you, everybody say, he gives us his mind. You need the mind of Christ in order to understand God. In the beginning, you had a very simple revelation, which is, I need him. I'm a sinner. I don't fully know what that means yet. I can say that from experience because he's still unraveling me. But I had the revelation that my sin was going to equal a death that Jesus was willing to pay for, though. So come to me, turn to me, give it to me, and I will take you. So the revelation was key, but then I then had to begin to live. And you then are navigating in a world that's using this mind in everything. The whole system that you live in is based upon what we feel, what we like. You know, we're constantly changing uh, rules of not necessarily moral rules, although those are now, those begin to budge over, but we change what we think is right and wrong based upon how the culture is changing. And so now you are, you've had this revelation, I need you, Jesus. You repent, but now you are still living in that world. And how do you do that? Because your natural mind, just get over this. Don't be surprised when your natural mind has a mind of its own. Your mind has a mind of its own. It's still going to continue thinking the way it was trained for, if you were five, you still were you know, maybe you accepted Christ, but you were still learning some things and doing some things that weren't Christ-like for a season until you finally settled it, whatever that age that is. Whether that's 16 or 26 or 66 or 86, there's a point where you have, you truly say, and you understand it, I'm going to surrender my life to you. Who remembers those moments, the surrender moments? 
Does, did the Lord, was there any lack of love before that? Absolutely not. He loved you the same. He loved you the same all the way through. He loved you while we were still sinners. And he loves the sinners of this world. He loves this whole world. He loves every single one and he wishes every single one would come to him. And the Holy Spirit is wooing. I refuse to believe that there are some destined for salvation and some that are not. I truly believe that the Holy Spirit is wooing every single person on this entire earth. We just decide not to listen to him. No one forced you. You chose. You said yes. And then once you said yes, then more and more and more revelation comes. In fact, let's just look quickly in the book of Mark chapter 4. The book of Mark chapter 4 verse 22 says... For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open. Every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Verse 24, then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. This is very interesting. The closer you listen, so there's your part, and there's God's part. And there's this constant, this, this Greek word called koinonia. And it's just this connection between us and God. Much like a husband and wife. You're constantly growing. You're both changing as well. So you're constantly re-understanding each other. God doesn't change. <laughs> but our understanding of who he is changes. We had a very dim understanding of him. And so... It says, the closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. So the more we're willing to know him, the more he's willing to show up. The more we listen, the more we understand. And then it continues, it says, in verse uh, 25, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, but for those who are not listening... Even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. So, you know, the word is clear. This is Mark. You know, this is Jesus speaking here, okay? And Jesus is saying that you have to listen, but if you listen, so, so what are we listening to? We're listening to him, the wooing of him. Before you ever got a Bible verse, right? Before anybody, before you ever even read the Bible, there was this thing inside you supernaturally that said, I need Jesus, without a Bible, without a verse. Now, was the Bible invalid? Every verse in that Bible was inside of that wooing. And we, can, we can't, don't try to figure that out. But then he says something to us that is so key. Yes, Lord, I'll listen. Some more understanding comes. But we have to keep listening. Everybody say, keep listening. We listen to God. We do it like children do their parents. Yeah, 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 I got it. You ever try to explain something to someone and you're like, you don't got it? Just stop for a minute and let me explain. No, 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 I, I know. I got, I, got, I got it. I got it. You know they don't. You know they're going to mess it up. You hope that they're listening. But you were right when they didn't listen. They thought they knew. We need to keep listening to him, amen? We need to keep listening, and he promises that if we keep listening, 
more revelation will come. Verse 33, Jesus used parables, right? He used similar stories. He used illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. So God reaches the world. He reaches you in your immaturity. Everybody say immaturity. Don't be immature about that. Don't get prideful about your immaturity. He reaches us in our immaturity with a revelation that we can understand. But then it says this, verse 34. In fact, his public ministry, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But, everybody say but. Afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. He never put a chain around their wrist. He never forced them. He walked in the streets and was giving out free revelation. Free revelation, free life. Remember John 5, I quoted it last week. He, told, he said, you're searching the scriptures trying to find salvation, trying to find life, but hello, paraphrasing here. Hello, I'm right here. They missed him in their intellect. They knew the Bible so the, the, uh, the, at the time, the Old Testament, right? They knew it so well that they had got their minds, they, had their, they were so filled with knowledge, they were puffed up and in pride and couldn't even listen to God himself standing there because it's a spirit thing. And yet those then who listened, many received miracles from Jesus. Many received uh, you know, endless testimonies. In fact, it says that if all the testimonies of Jesus were written down, right, couldn't even be contained, it can't even be contained, all the testimonies, all the miracles Jesus did. But then there was a group of people who went further, right? We have the disciples, and then we have Peter and John, right? And then we have John at the cross. I mean, you can keep going with God, and God will keep giving you. Who was the revelator? John. Well, who was the last one with Jesus at the cross? John. The last disciple at the cross with Jesus is John. Now, did God love all the others? Did he love the world? Did he love Peter? Of course. John kept going even all the way to the cross, stood there at the cross with Jesus, and John wrote Revelation. Revelation just keeps coming, doesn't it? Is this making sense to anyone? The further you go with him, the more revelation you get. Now, does that to puff up? It's to actually, the more revelation of God you get and not knowledge, the lower you get, the more humble you get. Does this make any sense? I want to turn back to the book of Mark with you just for a few minutes where we left off last week. And he gives you his spirit. He gives you his mind. God even will give you, if you're willing to let him, his will. He will put his will in you so that you don't even have to decide to do his will. If you've let him work the process, you already want to do his will. 
It won't be a hard choice when you've been fully submitted. It's only hard because we're wrestling with God. Does that make sense to anyone? The only time that it's hard to follow God is because we don't want to do what he says. (laughs) It's very simple. Just like a child. When they give a temper tantrum, they get frustrated. They just don't want to do what they've been told. They don't like what they've been told. But just like a good parent, God is the best parent, the best father, and it's for our good, isn't it? It was for their good if they would just quit their temper tantrum and just submit. It was for their good. And I even said last week, he also, he even gives you a way out of sin and death, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He's given us everything. It can even be said, I said last week, that we are without excuse. God has given us his spirit. He gives us his mind. He gives us uh, his will. He gives us the way out. He gives us strength. He gives us joy. He gives us hope. He gives us new eyes to see. He gives us ears to hear. When we are struggling, I'm not saying struggling in life, but when you are struggling to submit and struggling with God, we are resisting the Spirit of God. We're resisting what the Spirit of God is trying to do. And let's just look in James chapter 1 here. And I'm just going to read quickly, uh, just going to breeze through the verses I read last week. James 1 verse 2, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Everybody say, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And if you need something, right? If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty, everybody say divided loyalty, is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Something that I ended up talking with some people after this sermon last week and the conversation we had is that the wind and the tossing and the waves are always going to be there. If you think peace is that they're going to, those things are going to cease, you're off. Those things will be there. You just are not letting them unsettle your spirit. Even this much, don't be condemned that your human mind is unsettled. Now, this is a spiritually discerned thing. Um, that maybe that went right over your head. But the Lord really just really spoke to me this week, even your human mind may be unsettled, but then there's the part of you, and you know you can find it, that part of you in God that is not unsettled. Your mind is wondering, and it's here, is it this, is it that? I don't know what God's up to. I don't know what's going on, but you'd then say this, but I trust him. So don't even worry. That is not the wavering, okay? The wavering is, I don't trust God. I trust God. Well, I should ask some, I guess I should get some more opinions. I should figure some more things out. Well, God, what do you say? That's the wavering. Don't be condemned. And I feel like that's going to help some people here because I feel like even me, the Lord helped me with that this week, uh, settled me that your mind 
will waver because your mind is still part of this human world. We were birthed out of sin. It's not Adam's fault we would have done it. If he didn't do it, I would have done it. All right, we can't blame it on Adam, on the first Adam. Blame it on this Adam. But he birthed us, right? Jesus redeemed us, took us, he rescued us from that death. But there's still a human walking out. Everybody say there's a human walking out. And it's happened instantaneously and fully and complete and perfect in the spirit instantaneously. Don't try to figure that out. But then in the natural, there's the growing, the revelation, the understanding that keeps coming. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't puff up. It humbles you, in fact, because you just start realizing how big God is and how great his love is and how great his mercy is and how great of a sinner you are, how great of a sinner you were. And you just get lower and lower and lower the more you understand him. So it tells us that you're divided, though, if you are asking God and then not believing God. So verse seven, such people should never expect anything from the Lord. And I believe that 150%. You will never ever receive anything from God if you ask God and then you go ask the world. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. Or it could be said, you can pull that up in the New King James, verse eight. It says that they are, everybody say, double-minded. But I do love that the Bible is acknowledging that there are two minds, just to settle us so that we can be free. You know, everything, everything that's in the Bible is to free us, not to bind us. Everything that God teaches us is to free us. And hopefully, I'm, I try each week to then do the same thing, not to bind you, but to free you. And... The Lord chooses natural human beings as well to be pastors because they have to go through it too. So I'm not preaching to you from a pedestal. I, I, <laughs> I consider myself, man, get before the Lord. Like I said, he just, he, man, he, God has a way of crushing you, doesn't he? I love being crushed by God though. You know why? Because then he lifts you right back up. James 4, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. But it's acknowledging that there are two minds. What I want us to understand as believers is that that mind doesn't disappear, but that mind becomes submitted to the mind of Christ. That mind doesn't go away. And this is the thing, for Jesus' blood to be real, and I bring this up all the time because this is something that we should remember. Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane with his human mind and his spirit mind. Everybody understand this. And his human mind said, this is going to be painful. God, is there another way? But his spirit mind said, your will be done. God, is there another way? But your will be done. The single-minded man and the single-minded woman in this church today is not the person who thinks about both sides and considers, but the single-minded person in Christ 
is the one that says, that's what my human mind says, but I have submitted myself to God. I've submitted myself to his word and to his body and to those he has placed over me. And, and ultimately, because of the Holy Spirit working through all of those things and people, even though I think this and think that this is your way, this is the way. Who has gone through those thought processes before? Maybe not explained that way, but that process. And then you make the decision, this is the right way. Even Jesus had a double mind, but was not double-minded. Even Jesus. And the Lord is helping us to become more and more and more single-minded. And this is how he does it. Let's just look quickly in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, let's pull that up in the New King James as well. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the, everybody say, renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There is a renewal. It could even be said, if you study the word, that your mind is being renewed to the mind that Adam had before sin. And the picture is because the Bible says that Adam, through one man's sin, brought death, right? But through Christ, paying the price, he brought us life. Through Adam, we had death, but through Christ, we have life. Christ restores the innocent, God-fearing mind in us. That doesn't mean, though, that you're not still aware of Adam for the rest of your life. Who's aware of their Adam in you? <laughs> right? They're, you're Eve in you. You're aware of that person, but that person is not ruling in you. And so the renewal, though, happens how? How do we do this? Now we can go to his word, not as a religious book, but now we go to God's word with the revelation that we're sinners, that he's God. And that revelation just keeps going and going and going. The bigness of God just gets bigger. Now we go to his word. Who, who read the word? Who read the Bible before you got saved and thought it was gibberish? Is everybody in here? How is it possible that the same exact words now make sense to you? Jeannie and I were just talking about this. In fact, I don't mean to offend you, but she was saying all books, and there's lots of people like that, just never really connected with books and reading. And now she's reading the Bible, which is probably compared to a, a novel, pretty complex in the natural and big to understand. So to go from the natural man that didn't really even care for it now to love it and to want to consume it 
it's a supernatural spiritual thing. This is making sense. This is a spiritual thing that is happening. But here's what happens. Now they're going to play tag team. Who finds the more you read the word, the more you want to read the word. The more your mind, your eyes start to open now more and more and more to Christ, the more revelation, again, of your sin. That doesn't stop. He will keep revealing your sin, and you keep doing what? Doing it or giving it to him just like you did in the beginning. You just keep giving him more and more and more, and he keeps giving you more and more and more. That's the renewing of the mind. In fact, Ephesians 4 tells us, that it's not just the Bible, but God created a picture. You know that God created a package deal. Everybody say package deal. And if we bypass his format, you're going to get off. Everybody say you're going to get off. We got to go by God's way. Ephesians 4, it says in verse 11, now these are the gifts God, uh, Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, verse 12, is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue. Everybody say continue until we all come to such unity in our faith. And that was what Dawn and I experienced yesterday on a very small scale, really. The unity is so much bigger, isn't it? But just that moment where I start singing a song that she's singing in her spirit, I just start singing it out loud. That's that unity. And who's experienced that here, even with brothers and sisters in this church, right? Not just with a spouse, but other brothers and sisters. And how many times after Sunday do you go, I just listened to that last night. I was just talking about this yesterday. Before I came here, we were talking about this. Or throughout the rest of the week, it gets unraveled. Because that's what's happening. God is still, he is he is building. There is a building. There is a continuing. There's a maturing that he's doing, and he does it through his word, but he does it. He gave his word to the, the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelist, the pastors, and the teachers, and the Holy Spirit is working through them, and you can open his word without any of those people around, and you'll get revelation, but God has a way that he does it on purpose so that then there is, uh, when we read something and we think we've got it figured out, and we then realize we were just in knowledge and not in the wisdom of God. Someone else with the wisdom of God counters that. Who's ever had that happen before? You thought a verse meant something and then someone else says, hey, this is what it means. And now your eyes open. And you read the verse and you thought you had it figured out, but your eyes really opened when someone else in the body came alongside you. Like the Bible says, iron sharpening iron and rubs against you. Is this making sense to anybody today? You know, the Holy Spirit's here today. I mean, he's always here, but man, he's preaching. I didn't even plan on going this direction. He's preaching, and he, this, is the, this is what it says. It says, verse 14, everybody say, then. Because it, the unity is continuing. Actually, let me finish verse 13. I want to get ahead of myself. It's continuing in our faith and our knowledge of the, God's Son so that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the, listen, this is what, this is the measure. Stop saying I'm not Jesus. That's the devil. That's the devil trying to get you to say it's good enough. I've gone far enough. I've had enough revelation. I've arrived. I've reached the end. I've been there. I've done that. I know that. Stop thinking we know it all because it says that it will continue until we reach the full and complete standard of 
Christ. That means you're not finished. You're not complete. You don't know it all. You don't know enough until we've, we start looking. Someone, when they look at you and say, is that you or is that Jesus? Then we've arrived. And honestly, then what happens to the world? Is everyone going to accept you? No, they didn't all accept Jesus. The world still put them on the cross. Every, just get that through your, our minds as believers. You don't have to try to offend people. You will do that automatically when you represent Christ. Don't go out there and try. Some people try. There's a guy on YouTube. I don't, I'm not even going to say his name, but this guy goes and stands in front of other churches and starts preaching to, the, to this, these churches. And I'm like, you're not accomplishing anything, man. They're not going to listen to you. That's to the churches, then the world. You don't want to watch. I'm not even, that's why I'm not even going to tell you his name, so you don't even know. You can't even find this guy because I don't even want you to watch it. I stumbled upon it by accident. The world's not going to receive it like that, but the more we look like Christ, the more people will receive Christ. That's just common sense. I don't have to be spiritual to figure that out. So he's doing something in us to reach this conclusion. And I'm going to finish this up right here. It says, then, everybody say then. This is verse 14. All right, so there's something that's happening. God's doing something, right? God's up to something, and it's to get you to the full stature of Christ. He's maturing you. And it only comes through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. It is not a flesh. It is not a figuring stuff out. It is not you wrestling through. It's not you even doing ministry. All those things came out of Christ because Christ was submitted fully to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus was submitted. He said, and don't get tired of me saying this because I'm going to keep saying it. Jesus said, I only do what the Father, right? And the Holy Spirit tell me to do, and I only say what they tell me to say. And when you get to that place, then you can have ministry. Then your ministry starts beginning. He, God works with us through the whole process, thank God. Thank God for his grace that he works with me during that process. But it, your, your completion is not to have even ministry. That just comes out of you. The submission is your completion. You submit to Christ and the ministry just comes out of you and it can look like a million things. Don't try to put it in a box. Your ministry could be right in your job. And who has experienced that? Right in your family. That might be the ministry for your entire life. It's not a ladder to success. Let's stop taking that from the world and putting it in the church. You submit to Christ and he'll place you wherever he wants and just let him do it. Amen. That making sense. Okay, quickly, I said I was closing here, but don't ever believe a preacher. I'm not lying. I want to close. The Holy Spirit just is not letting me here. This is, sometimes it's me. This is the Holy Spirit. Quickly, we will no longer be immature like children. So there's an immaturity that God's okay with because of his grace and his love and his mercy. He was perfectly content with your immaturity. But then he starts to work on you so that we will, everybody say, no longer be. So there was an immaturity. 
And then there's a maturity. We won't be tossed. Look at this, look at this verse. And look at the correlation between this and James. Only then we won't be tossed and blown about, right? That's the time. By every wind of new teaching, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. And see, the, the Lord uses his church. The Lord uses the spirit. The Lord uses his word. You gotta submit to the whole package here. We can't take some of this and say, well, I don't need that part. I don't need the word, the word's inside me. Yes, it was a seed inside you, but unless you put some water on a seed, it's still just a seed. Unless that seed gets a little bit of light, hello, let's look at the picture here. God created everything all points back to God. That seed needs some sunlight. It needs some good soil. You put it on hard soil, think you know it all. <laughs> that stubborn soil, it's not going to grow. So yes, the word is in you 100%. It's not, in, it's not inaccurate to say the entire word is inside you instantly. But in order to get to that human mind, you now have to open it and unravel it and let it grow and, and start to control that human mind instead of your human mind controlling you. Does that make sense? Instead, verse 15, we will speak the truth and love growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. So we will become like him. We're going to look like him. We're going we're to speak like him. And God can only do this. Verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. And that's why it's so important for all of us to be fully submitted, not to each other, but to the Lord. And then to each other comes naturally because we're all helping each other. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. God designed for us to be one, to be together. This is all part of it. And your full revelation really doesn't come unless you submit to the body. That's just the way God designed it. He never designed us to be alone. It was always to be together. Even Adam, he makes him. It's not finished yet. So takes Adam apart, makes Adam too. Because that's his way. It's always companionship, love, growth, continuation, right? It says that then we'll be growing and full of love it says, 17, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Isn't that so true, isn't it? And who has been in confusion? See, that human mind still has confusion. That doesn't necessarily leave. You just don't listen to it. You are aware of the confusion. And you know, honestly, the best answer is, God doesn't always tell you what the answer is. The best answer is God doesn't tell you what the answer is. Try to figure that out. You're confused, but you know this. I don't know the answer yet, but I know God has one. And until he gives me the answer, I'm going to be at peace. And I'm going to stay close to his word. I'm going to stay close to him. I'm not going to start reclusing because the whole thing is within his body, within his word, within his spirit. I'm going to get closer to God than ever before. I'm going to be on my face. I'm not going to get away from him because then I'm going to be really confused. But it says, verse 18, it says their minds. Everybody say their minds. 
they're full of darkness, right? And it's in the New King James, it says their understanding is darkened. They can't even understand, right? So we need the light of God to open us, to, to, to open our eyes, to open our minds. It says their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives them because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Verse 21, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Verse 22, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. In verse 23, instead, everybody say instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Amen. God is good, isn't he? He is so good. Even when it doesn't look like it, God is good. And let's just pray. Thank you, Lord God, that you are, even during this service, Lord, you've been renewing us. We thank you, because that's what your word says, Lord. It's not my opinion. This is your word. Your word says that the church was built for the purpose of maturing us, that we come together around your word. Holy Spirit, Without you, it would be totally invalid. With you, welcome here. Without you, it doesn't mean anything. But I thank you, Holy Spirit. We allowed you to come into our hearts, to come into this building, to use the word, as you always do, to teach us and to show us the truth. Open our eyes, open our ears, and give us more revelation. And I thank you, Lord, that even through this, the rest of this day, Lord, in this week, that there will be more, Lord, humility in us, and Lord, more repentance, and I thank you, Lord, that we grow, and we grow, and we grow, and we grow more like Christ, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord.